my name is Alexander Kraus, Alex for short, A for T short, and welcome to Big Tall Boys. Big Tall Boys is the only way to be happy, <laughs> and I'm feeling great, baby. I'm feeling good. I hope you're all feeling good out there in this lovely day. So winter's upon us. Winter is upon us, and it's time to snuggle up with the one you love, get a little towel, not a blanket, get a towel and, you know, and cozy up together. Towels are good. Towels are actually better than blankets because whenever, like, if you were, say, drinking wine and you spilled some, um, that's what towels are for. It can have a little wine on it, you know? <laughs> life hack. Life hack. That's right. That's right. Uh, I should do a life hack episode. You are correct. I should do that. That'd be fun and neat and cool. But instead today, I'm doing... What is that? What is, what's that in the, in the ether? I've heard some news about something that is occurring in the Australian uh, parliament. The prime minister is being changed. That's right. The election is upon us. And as the election comes to a head, I must in turn contemplate like we all do around election time. Very much like New Year's Eve. When we elections coming up, we start to say, hey, what have I accomplished in the last few years? What have I done since the last prime minister? What is going on with my life? What's my new prime minister resolution? And I started to realize that my resolution was actually a revolution. Because, hey, I think I could do this. Like, I think if I was up there on the little plinth, if I was up there in the little fucking mound and I was giving my little speeches, I think people would be actually, like, really cool with that. And they'd be like, wow, Alex, you have some great ideas. And I would walk the line, you know? People would say, like, oh, you're representing all the people, not just one side, not just one faction, you know? You're, you're, you're like, you're, like, Nice. You're like nice and cool. I think people will be really positive about me being up there. And so this is it. This is my announcement right now. I am running for prime minister. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I am. <laughs> Does that insult you? Well, it shouldn't. You should be excited because guess what? I'm here for you. And I have a whole stretch of different policies that I'm going to run down today about why you should elect me. Okay. 10 policies. We're going to do 10. 10 policies that define my era, okay, that define who I am, defines why you should vote for me. That when you get into that little booth and you're ticking those little boxes and you're doing the bottom one too, you're not doing the top one where you just do like a few, you're doing the full fucking spread, the full fucking smorgasbord of election cycles. You're going to go in there and do that and you're going to put, you're going to tick me a few times. I'm going to run, I'm going to run with some different costumes and get on there a few times just in case one of them doesn't really succeed. But of course I'm going to succeed because here are my policies. Number 10. Number 10. And number 10, we're going to do the decentralized currency. That's right. Yeah. A lot of people have been talking about this for a while. They've been saying Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Coinbase, you know, all these different things about coins and whatnot. And I think the real sticking point, the thing that, not the sticking point. I think the real roadblock of why no government has introduced this in its, um, you know, in its bureaucracy is the decentralized aspect of it. A lot of people come in and they say, look, we'd love to enforce this. We'd love to put it in place, but it's just because it's decentralized. What would the role of the government be? And it's made me realize that if we just put in a currency, then we can get to the decentralized point later. You know, like it's stepping stones. So my first policy is that I'm going to put a currency in place for all Australians. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. 
Okay, I'm not sure about how, what form that would take. I know it's going to be all of the good stuff you love from decentralized currencies, but with none of the decentralization. I'm talking, I'm talking computers farming money. I'm talking environmental damage. I'm talking most of it being used for uh, illegal goods online and having like deep links to, uh, you know, buying people through uh, various dark shading dealings. I'm talking, I'm talking your, I'm talking your cousin pulling you aside at. Christmas to talk you through their investment portfolio and you listening to them with fucking glee. All the things you love about decentralized currency with none of the decentralization is my first policy. And I think, I don't know why I'm doing another nine because clearly this is the best one I have. But what is number nine? Number nine, of course. Number nine. Look, we've got the economy sorted. This currency's been put in place. We need to work on our military. Australia's put in place these nuclear submarines and in turn, it's made me realize, look, we can't be just focusing so much on what's underneath the water when in fact, more of reality is in space. Am I wrong in saying that? I don't think so. Sure, the earth is mainly water, but the universe is mostly space. Yeah, I thought so. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do nuclear shuttles. I'm going to do nuclear shuttles. Yeah. Yeah, I am. So it's going to be, it's going to be shot into space. It's going to be shot into space. And these shuttles are just going to like, they're going to police, they're going to police, you know, they're going to wander. They're going to scout. They're going to like travel around. I think, I think if we're thinking of in terms of like what their goal is, it's pretty similar to the nuclear submarines, but in space. And a lot of people may say, Alex, this isn't a fully-fledged idea. You've just translated somebody else's policy into your own. But know that a lot of the things that we do are building off of each other. There are no original ideas and there are no original nuclear options. Yeah. Like once we get a few of them put in place, now they're all just kind of samey. Now they're all just kind of samey. And, you know, I'm going to put one on the moon. I'm going to put one on the moon. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to put one on the moon just in case... And people are going to be really happy with me. And because once I heard about these nuclear submarines, it was like, thank fuck. Thank fuck that we have this against Cthulhu. Because if Cthulhu shows up, we're absolutely fucked. And now we've got these nuclear submarines and they're going to be able to take him out. They're going to be able to take out Godzilla. They're going to be able to take out the Kraken of the Deep. They're going to be able to take out um, even like smaller threats. A lot of people talk about the big threats and it's like, these are the things that are always in the news. Oh, you know, when is Cthulhu going to come back? Yada, yada, yada. Eldritch Horror, um, Destroyer of Worlds, blah, blah, blah. But... Even like sirens, you know, they're calling, we lose, we lose 6,000 good men every year to a siren. And it's, it's sad because we have all these campaigns and we're like, put your wax in your ears, you know, don't be tempted by their call, you know, try to distract yourself on the boat, think of other things, just don't listen. But these boys, they go out on their ships and they just fucking love to hear those sultry, sultry tones and they start scooping the wax out of their ears when they see their friends doing it. And it's like, uh, if we had nukes, then we could actually take care of this. We could. So what are nuclear shuttles going to protect against? Well, space whales. Sp- space whales. Uh, Galactus. Galactus, when they show up. I'm, I'm sorry, a little thing called Arishim. I feel like I was the only one who watched the Eternals film. That thing showed up and we had nothing for it, okay? If Arishim shows up, we need nuclear shuttles. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> we do. This is the campaign of, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we do. And, you know, even smaller threats as well. If we get, like, some sort of space pirates or, um, what are they called? Those little fucking bugs that exist everywhere. What do they call those little fucking bug things? If one of those gets really big by accident in some sort of accidental shrink ray reversal kind of thing, let's, um, let's, let's maybe have at least one nuclear shuttle. Am I wrong in thinking that? I don't know. I'm a protector of people. I'm kind of like a nice guy. Let's talk about number eight. Number eight. Policy number eight. We've talked about the economy. We've talked about the military. Let's talk about what everybody's been talking about, and it has to do with advertising. A lot of people, I'm hearing in the streets, I'm walking around, I'm talking to all these people, I'm kissing babies, I'm uh, shaking hands, I'm forcefully shaking hands, and a lot of times I'm hearing people saying, look, these gambling ads are getting out of control. Every day I'm sitting in front of my TV for all of the entire, for, you know, 16 hours, I'm pressed up my eyes against the screen, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing white, and I can't even, like, think anymore. And these ads, these ads are so distracting because all they do, and that's the problem, they're distracting. I'm trying to do my shit and they're distracting me and my children. They're, they're, they're often talking about, like, gambling and how you can bet on horses and football and even, like, other things, like when what the queen's going to wear or when the queen's going to die or when the queen's going to you know, reveal the big secret of the, of the, of the, of the, of the monarchy, you know? Um, so what I'm thinking is these distractions are really getting us all down. So back like 40 years ago, Coca-Cola tried to put up a billboard in space and some people were upset by this. They were saying that it shouldn't happen and it was appealed. And, you know, like we didn't let it happen because we thought it was going to set a terrible precedent. But it makes me start to realize that if we had more shit up in space, then we'd have less shit down on Earth. You know, you know, when you meet a guy and he's talking and he's chewing and it's like, wow, I could really deal with you in space, you know? Like, right now in this moment, I'd be really content if you were not here and you were, you know, you're in, like, a gravity situation, your tether's broken off and you're kind of adrift, spinning uncontrollably towards the vast expanse of everlasting darkness. And that would actually be really good for him. That'd actually be really good for him. And that's how I feel about ads sometimes. Sometimes I feel a little bit overwhelmed by them. I'm distracted. I'm trying to do my work. I'm trying to drink. I'm trying to smoke. I'm trying to do all my stuff. And all these ads are like, get gambling in your veins. And it's like, I'm trying to gamble, but you're distracting me from my gambling. We're going to send it into space on some billboards and it's going to solve absolutely everything. And you'll notice that a lot of the big problems that we have seem to involve space so far. We have the nuclear shuttles. We have the billboards. And you know what? My first thing, this currency, we might put some of that in space too. Yeah, we might. Yeah, we actually might then. If you're saying there's too much space in here, well, guess what? I'll double down on the space. Oh, there's a space fucking campaign. Number seven. What was that? Number eight. Number seven. We've talked about currency. We've talked about military. We've talked about gambling ads, of course. The three pillars. So far, three pillars of our 10-pillar program. Uh, number four, which will be number six, because we're counting down, is, of course... No, six, ten, nine, eight, seven. Seven, seven, seven days in heaven. That's right. It's going to be seven days in heaven. Yeah. That, yeah. And you may be thinking, Alex, you don't have to commit to this because you wanted to do like a rhyme or do like a cutesy thing. But no, no, this actually is what I wanted to talk about. 
We're going to enforce the seven day. We're going to enforce the seven. No, it's the seven minutes in heaven, right? We're going to actually enforce this because a lot of times you're playing the games with your friends and it's like you get put into the closet for the seven minutes and you know, you know, like, and then it's like a joke thing. It's, oh, you know, you're supposed to spend the time in here, but not really. And we all know that you two don't really get along. You don't really know each other. And we make some jokes when you emerge from the closet and say things like, oh, bet you had a good time in there. Oh, guess, guess he only lasted for three minutes because you got out early, you know? kind of stuff we're actually going to put in place a law where you have to be in the closet for seven minutes and it's regardless of smells it's regardless of odors it's regardless of comments made against um a person's smells or odors and it's just going to be that it's actually nicer if you stay for the seven minutes because then people aren't going to make comments like as the aforementioned hey here and they lasted for three minutes hey what was wrong with him what happened in there um it seems like you know your tears are indicative of his behavior over the entire night's night party and it feels like the fact that you left early has more so to do with him than it has to do with you it's the perception of him that we all share it together that we maybe don't talk about in open circles because we're afraid about how he would feel but we talk about him behind closed doors just because it feels like a safe space to shit on who he is as a person so what we're going to do is you get seven minutes in there and we lock the door and that's just that's just what happens in there okay and what happens in there stays in there and it's just everybody's cool about it and everybody's like grossed out or whatever and i know that this is a big this is a big talking point amongst all my fans is a lot of people do these seven minutes but a lot of people it's so popular and we're just feeling like shit afterwards we're feeling like shit because people aren't committing to the full game it's like when you play truth or dare and you, they do the dare and then the dare is too much and they bail on it you know you have to do it you have to do the seven minutes so that's that's that one. <laughs> okay. Number six. Number six. We've talked about the. We've talked about the thing. We've got the economy. We've got military. We've got gambling ads. We've got seven minutes in heaven. Uh, and now number six, of course, is going to be. It's the devil's number. We're going to be talking about religion. We're going to be talking about religion and <sighs> a lot of controversies recently. There's some schools that have been doing some really terrible things. What has to do with um, enforcing religious practice and doctrine of vilifying people who have certain belief systems. I know that a lot of communities are feeling attacked at the moment, uh, especially that the government doesn't seem to be doing much of anything. And in fact, the person that is currently in power is somebody who's kind of involved. You know, he has his hand in the pot, in the pie, in the honey, you know, of, uh, of, of these terrible practices and ideologies. And, I think what would be good is if these government policies were actually open about the true nature of reality. Because a lot of it is enforcing, you know, these ideas about how people live and how they should act and react and whatnot. But it doesn't really, it doesn't really get down to the fact that we're all going to hell. Like we're all going to go to hell. And the fact that you're trying to vilify people for specific reasons is actually a deflection from your own problems. Yeah, it actually, yeah. Yeah, it actually is because we're all going to hell for one reason or another. Let it be. Um, let it be. Praise be. Praise be. We're all going to hell. Okay. And that's, that's fine. That's all good and candy and gauche. I think people say candy. Why you're going to hell doesn't have to be, um, even something big. It can be something small. The other day, the other day I was walking 
and I noticed a coin on the floor. Decentralized currency would actually be helpful in this situation. Uh, and I noticed this coin on the floor and I picked it up and I realized that I was like, oh, I should return this to its owner. So I was looking across the rim. I was reading it and I realized that on the coin I had a picture of the queen and it was like from 17, no, what was it? 1960 something. So I knew it was the current queen. So I booked a flight. I went to London. I, you know, I made fun of the soldiers with the silly hats. I tried to make them laugh. They did. They did. They had a fucking great time. We had a good time all together. Uh, and I went into Bucking- Buckingham. I went to Buckingham, uh, right into the palace. I went through the ivory gates and I walked with the queen. I'm like, here's your queen. And she thanked me. She thanked me. She, she was really proud of me. And she said, you know, a lot, I've been losing, I've been losing these coins all over the fucking place and nobody's returning them. And I was, I was a gentleman about it. I was saying like, look, this is what it means to be human. It means to connect together and to be able to, you know, supply information for each other and to be there when people lose things, when people are unsure. And as I was walking out, you know, it was it was a perfect, you know, tastefully decorated Buckingham. Everybody was really happy with me, all this stuff. As I was walking out, I I turned around and I said, hey, actually, one more thing. And I swear, I, you know, this isn't like me attacking you or anything. But weren't you the queen who, you know, was like in charge of England, the place that continuously destroyed different uh, continents through their accruement of land and killed a lot of uh, native uh, people of those locations? And aren't you like perpetuating that ideology through your, um, you know, through Buckingham and your royal guard and whatnot? Is that, is that, are you that person? Cause I'm unsure. I'm unsure. People look different from the papers. And the queen looked me up and down and they threw me into, they threw me out. They threw me out. They threw me out of Buckingham and it was sad, but it was a real learning moment because I realized that that sin, that problem can actually be even in protecting somebody. I didn't need to call out the queen. I didn't need to. The queen's already been called out enough. People have already gone, sounded off in the comments for centuries now. And everybody knows that stuff. And me, me vilifying them is actually the reason why I'm going to hell because it's, it's not helping, is it, to continuously be mean to the queen? Yeah. I mean, they're on death's door already. They're going to die pretty soon. And they're going to face the Grim Reaper in their death. And they're going to deal with that on their own time. Um, And that's what we should be teaching in schools, I think, was my point. Number five. Number five. Number five. We've got the currency. We've got the military. We've got the ads. We've got the seven minutes in heaven. We've got... um. We've got, what, what, was, what was what I just said? Uh, teaching why everybody's going to hell in schools. Yeah, that one was actually pretty good. Number five, of course, what's another facet of government, of expansion, of different things and whatnot? What's a real sticking point that people are discussing all over? Everybody is talking about this pandemic that happens, you know? It's like, it happened. It didn't happen. When did it happen? Is it going to happen? Am I involved in it? What is this? What are the, what are the sprongs? What are the pillars? What are the, what are the points? What are the ideas? Who's in charge of this? Who? 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 All I'm hearing is who? And it's like, um, that doesn't help me. I don't understand what to do. I need guidelines. Okay. I need to know where to wear my mask. I know where to put it, where to, what to do. And a lot of people are saying that maybe talking about this pandemic in this regard is a little bit outdated at this point. That maybe people are upset with the jokes that everybody's been making. And this is actually, before I even talk about my campaigns, there are certain COVID related jokes that started happening a week 
into COVID and people have been making them for two years and they drive me fucking insane. They drive me fucking insane. First of all, the joke about people wearing the masks on their chins, you know, was a joke made immediately, like instantaneously when people started wearing masks. And then like five months later, I think like uh, there was like South Park did a thing with it. And it was like so outdated at that point. And it was like, this is shit, South Park. Like, oh my God, this is the most outdated joke you could possibly do about this. And and yet it still keeps happening. Like people keep making that joke. And that's what I'm doing. This is actually, this is actually what I wanted to discuss. I'm going to enforce rules around jokes that are outdated that can't be told anymore. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about masks on your chin. Okay. Not funny. Not funny anymore, okay? We've done it for too long. I'm talking about, um, what was the other one I was going to say? What was the other one I was going to say? Mario, you know, Mario having shrooms and getting all high. Now, that's an old joke. That's an old joke that if anybody makes, it's like, Jesus Christ, that's some hack shit. Okay. Um, this one's very recently, and I'm calling out something that I just saw. Nobody will hear this, so it's fine. I just went to a comedy show where they had a ring girl. They had two ring girls. One of them was, like, holding up the numbers. The other one was a ring girl, like, the, uh, the girl from the ring. I'm sorry. I've seen that joke, like, 20 times in things, and it's... Why do people keep... Ma- like, I get it. It's wordplay. It's fun. But it's been done so many, like, so many times. It kills me. Like, just Google it. Why? Just type ring girl. And I'm sure it's the result that comes up. Everybody, everybody's just doing the same shit. You know, everybody's doing the same shit. And this is what I want to enforce for public safety is there's going to be rules. There's going to be signs up. There's going to be guidelines. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. What not? And I know you're going to say, Alex, you're the biggest perpetrator. I've never seen you say anything original or funny or interesting. Well, guess what? Um, fuck you. Fuck you even. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that was uncalled for. Uh, and I know you're now saying, Alex, have you done this before where you do like an outburst and then a fake apology and it's kind of like your whole shtick and if you're talking about originality, this is only digging you into a further hole and to that I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what got over me. I don't know what I've become. I feel like now that I'm on this <laughs> road to the premiership, Premiership? Prem, 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 prime minister. Uh, premiership? I don't know. Now that I'm on this road, maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll win a premiership. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see in due time. But now that I'm on this road, there's going to be a lot of scandals and controversies and whatnot. And the biggest controversy, of course, is going to be my originality. It's going to be what ideas am I bringing to the table? What's new? What's happening? What's fresh? And I want to say, First of all, that that's not what I'm going for. That's not what I'm going for. And if you thought that I was trying to be original, you're actually missing the larger picture. I'm actually trying to be insightful. I'm actually trying to help us all learn about who we are as people. And a lot of times when you join into this podcast and you're thinking, what's the crazy thing that's going to happen this week? There's actually a lot of pressure on me to come up with new ideas and new strategies of approach. And it makes me feel like that I am a means to an end rather than an explorer on this great journey of creativity. You know, it makes me feel like that what I'm trying to output is just something that is strange enough to get over the finish line. And there's not real opportunities for me to expand my wings and fly and to become something more than what I was before, Lan. 
I needed that to rhyme for some reason. Uh, and that rhyming is actually going to be really important for our next one. For our next one, okay? Number four. This is number four, of course. We've had money. We've had the economy, decentralized currency. We've had military. We've had seven minutes in heaven. We've had uh, six is the devil, 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 devil. Something about the devil. Devil in education, telling everybody why they're going to hell. Number five was, I just talked about it. Oh, joke police. We're going to police all jokes uh, for public safety. Number four. Number five? Oh, no. Oh, no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I think we're up to four. Six was definitely the devil. Six was definitely the devil. Five was the next one. Okay, we're up to four. We're up to four. And I had a lead in to say what it was, but now I've forgotten what it is, which concerns me. Uh, I've lost complete track. I was talking about the... Of course, I, I went back and checked what it was. It is, of course, rhymes. Rhymes are really important. They're a big part of what it means to be a prime minister. And it's that when you make these campaigns, you make these promises, it's that things should rhyme. They should be alliteration. They should be fun. People should be excited to hear about you. You know, build back better. You know, that doesn't rhyme. (laughs) Terrible example. That doesn't rhyme. Okay. That's actually just the alliteration. But, um, you know, that's, that's actually what I want to change. These political ads are now going to rhyme. So, you know, for the ones that I've said before, obviously, decentralized currency um, is the slogan for that one is obviously going to be more uh, money. Money wakes the world go round uh, from a dollar to euro to even a pound. That's actually the rhyme for that one. And you may think that's long, but check out the next one because it's even longer. Okay, the next one was about nuclear shuttles, and that was a nuclear shuttle in every stratosphere will make you feel like you are better than an eel. Did that rhyme? I didn't think I got the meter correct. (laughs) Fuck off. That's perfect. That's perfect. And that's actually what I'm going to be doing, is I'm going to make sure that all the policies rhyme, the slogans, the ideas, the hashtags. Everything is going to rhyme from now on. And Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss ain't got nothing on me, bud, because I'm... Uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've got rhyme in my blood. Cuddy, Cuddy, Kid Cuddy. Yeah, Kid Cuddy, you feel like you're the, the king of rhyme? Well, come at me, okay? It's my throne to protect, and I will, uh, deflect your ideas of, uh, deject, dejection, deject, rejection, rejection, rejecting my own inflection on my rhyme is better than the signs to which we, I don't know. I don't know. Look, I did, I did a dumb Easter thing last week and we all learned that the rhymes weren't good enough. So I think this promise is going to be something that I'm going to build on. I think it's going to be something I'm going to build on. I can't do the rhymes. I can't, I just can't. I can't do the rhymes. <laughs> this election promise is, look, I'm going to do this thing that I can't do. And I'm going to try to get better at it. And eventually, when I do get better at it, you're going to be impressed. You're going to be like, wow, that actually was a rhyme. He said one word, then he said another, and there was a rhyming pattern to them. And I'm honestly very impressed. That's what you're going to say. And everybody's going to be feel really good about me. and not going to feel sorry about me. And they're not going to be like, hey, um, you know, you can't rhyme. You're spending, you know, people have to leave the closet after a few minutes with you because they can't stand your stench. You know, like people are going to feel really... Look, it's going to feel really good about me, and that's going to feel really good about myself and self-esteem and whatnot. Uh, let's just jump to the next one. Number three. 
number three. I'm going to stop the recaps because we're now in the top three. Three, two, one. Here we go. Top three, of course. The big thing we're talking about. And of course, it's foreign trade. Yeah, foreign trade. Number three, foreign trade. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be selling. I'm going to be buying. I'm going to be exporting. I'm going to be importing. I'm going to be bringing in things. I'm going to be selling out things. And what, what the idea of it is, is that a lot of it's going to be more so in an auction fashion. You may notice that as I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it at a higher uh, frequency. I'm talking at a higher speed, a higher rate. Because I feel like a lot of times our trades aren't happening. They're happening at a slow. They're starting at a slow rate. When in actuality, if we talk at a higher speed and we talk through all the things that we're trying to uh, implement, and put in place and, you know, export, import and whatnot, we're actually going to get more done. So here's my promise to you, is that when we're talking about trade, not even when we're trading, when we're actually just talking about trade, we're going to do it at a higher speed. In Parliament, when you're going to be seeing the videos, you're going to be there, you're going to be looking on, um, you're going to be watching SBS or ABC or what have you, C-SPAN in the United States, you know, if you're in the United States, you want to like, know what I'm talking about, that's kind of like the idea. And I'll be standing up there and I'll be talking about, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to sell more wool, we're going to sell oil, we're going to sell coal, we're going to sell to different like locations and whatnot. And people are going to be nodding in agreement, people are going to be nodding in agreement. And when they have discussions, when we have debates, when we're talking about it, the other person will say, hey, I'm going to raise my hand right now and I'm going to be talking about um, why this is pros and cons, you know, why this is a bad idea, good idea, whatnot. It doesn't mean that there's going to be less content, less discussion it just means that the talking's gonna happen faster because happening faster we can actually get to a point where things are actually happening at a quicker higher pace and a lot of times people might be saying that Alex um, how are you gonna implement this how are you gonna enforce this how's the word limit gonna be put in place and it's gonna be that if you're talking below a certain uh, word threshold you're gonna be kicked out you're gonna be kicked out of apartment you're gonna be kicked out of apartment they're gonna say that you weren't talking at a high enough rate so what's the point of you actually being here if you're not gonna actually be contributing and maybe some people may say that's discriminatory maybe you can't talk at a high enough pace maybe I was born in a place where my um where my language is a little bit slurred just because of my accent and I find it difficult to pronounce the letter P or whatnot well guess what guess what okay get a translator get a translator talk into a little box and have a little machine relay the information to the rest of the crowd in a fast enough pace that you can actually be contributing. It doesn't mean that you're going to be talking all the time. Like right now, I'm having to talk all the time because I'm the main person contributing. But know that we're in a parliament setting. There's like what 80 fucking seats or what have you. All of us are going to be talking at different rates and different ideas. And it's only when you step up onto the point and you're discussing something and Tony Habit's sitting behind you and shaking his head in disapproval is the time where you're going to have to actually be talking solo. And a solo performance is going to be something that we can plan for. We can get voice coaches in. We can get the voice people. We can get people from you know from 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 different like acting coaches. You know, we get like people from How Much Your Mother who have to talk at a really fast rate. No, people people know that that How Much Your Mother. Everybody talks at a really fast rate. I don't know why I pulled How Much Your Mother, but it's actually that they filmed that. They filmed that all very, very... They filmed all of that very, very quick. They filmed like five episodes in the length of time it takes to actually see one episode. It's because they're all talking really quickly and they actually slowed it down in post. A lot of people don't know that and it's actually like a big part of why the production was so swift and why the show lasted for so long because it was so good on the... um, It was so good on the, the, the expenses, the amount of money they were spending on, you know, on, on actors and time and whatnot. And I'd like to I'd like to end this by just saying that I actually, like, I'm not getting enough... <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I might have done... Uh, I might have done damage to myself. I don't know if I'm going to be okay to do the rest of this, but here we go. We, of course, only have two left. Number one is going to be the big spectacular one. Number two is going to be the build-up towards that. Number two. I want less wonky tables. That's right. All the time, I'm going to these restaurants and I'm talking with the people. I'm talking with the, you know, I'm out there with the people and I'm ordering my coffees. I'm drinking my coffees. I'm sitting. I'm running my screenplays. I'm coming up with ideas. I'm a creative type. I'm using the bathroom. I'm getting the bathroom key. I'm losing the keychain that connects to the key in the bathroom. So, like, I do have the key. So, when I return it, they're, like, still happy that I returned the key, but they're unsure why the keychain is now missing that has, like, the little beeper or number or, like, a wooden bit so you don't lose it. They're like, how did you lose the part that's most important, especially because you just went into one room in the establishment? They then check the bathroom to say, hey, where has this thing gone? At which point they walk in and go, what the fuck happened in here? Then I have to have a discussion with management about how to reimburse them for the damage I've done. I take them to court, at which point I realize that I'm I'm in a bad situation because a lot of 
my past experiences has been going to enclosed places and smelling up the place. They bring up like eight different people I've done a seven minutes in heaven with. All of them say that they couldn't last more than three minutes in the room with me. Two of them said that they only did 30 seconds out of politeness. And the fact that I would try to contest this bathroom incident in court is actually a bit egregious. And they get a forensic diagnosis. They get a forensic diagnosis from a, from a forensic doctor. And after they checked all the stuff, they realized that the wooden uh, little keychain was actually on my person. I lost it on myself. And I think maybe they think I took it on purpose or something. I have to talk. I plead insanity. I plead insanity. I start saying crazy things like the Avatar film was memorable. James Cameron's going to do a good job doing the sequels. Immediately, people are like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Let's get him. Let's let's lock him up. So I get put in the old, I put in the old slammer. I'm talking with my psychologist. They're like, Alex, let's talk through this. James Cameron isn't a visionary when it comes to these Avatar films. They actually were only successful due to the VFX budget. And a lot of it has to do with art direction that we don't know if James Cameron was actually really on charge or on board with and his um and his his main the main takeaway that he he's created the film that's the highest earning thing of all time is actually really reductive to the vfx artists that actually were the only people that really strengthened a really loose and shit story to which i say i'm just excited to go back to that world at which point they go, Alex, that's fucking crazy. What world? Where were they on Pandora? Isn't it called Pandora? It's crazy that you would defend this film. You know that they called the metal in the film unobtainium, which is the dumbest fucking thing that could ever happen. To which I say, I think actually by putting it on the nose, it makes it more interesting because it doesn't make us have to suspend our disbelief when watching the film that they've actually come up with these new ideas and new, new concepts. It's that, hey, Sometimes the things we put in place are as crazy as what's happening in this film environment. At which point they bring in a second psychologist who starts handcuffing me down to a chair going, this guy's fucking crazy. He doesn't really understand what the fuck is going on. Uh, and I think I'm, lo- I'm losing track of what I was trying to say. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm a man of the people and sometimes you go to court for insanity. Uh, we plead insanity because you don't want people to think that you smell too bad. And sometimes your psychologists in the room there with you are all wearing nose pegs on their noses. And it's kind of indicative of maybe the problem actually was that if they're even in the, even in their professional opinion, have to deal with that, um, that condition. And so I think the main way problem, uh, problem solving this is to make sure our tables are less wonky. That's, that's basically what I wanted to say in a roundabout fashion. <laughs> And I'm glad we got there. Number one. Number one. Number one. Everybody. Yeah, that's right. Applause, success, trumpets. Everybody's very excited for me to say my number one reason. My number one thing, not reason. My one thing, my policy that I'm going to be putting in place as your new prime minister. And it's the main reason why you're going to be voting for me. Dan Andrews announced recently that they're going to be hosting the Commonwealth Games out in regional Victoria. And I think it's about time we one-up him. I think we're going to one-up him because guess what? We are hosting the Olympics at my house. What? Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to host the Olympics at my house. What does that mean? It means all the fun and games of the bloody Olympics in my backyard. Okay? We set up stalls. We set up, um, we set up stalls. (laughs) 
<laughs> we set up a stadium. We set up an ice path, an ice rink. We set up bike lanes, bike things. We set up a weightlifting zone. We set up all this stuff. Catering. We get a caterer out here. We get Subway, of course, does all the catering and people can be really excited about it. I am going to host the Olympics in my backyard. I'm doing it. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to be doing it. And this is the big policy change. I think people are going to be really excited about it because I know that people people are on the fence when it comes to the Olympics. Sometimes it can be like, oh, is it, you know, we're losing money by building the stadiums. We're gaining money through the tourism and, you know, people's um, perspective of the industry that is the Olympics. It's, you know, it's a cash cow. It's a cash pig. We're bleeding money. There's a lot of different sides and opinions on this. You know, it's like, oh, should they be in the Olympic village fucking so much? You know, is this really what we should be discussing when we're talking about the greatest athletes of all time? And I think it actually is. So what we're going to do, we're going to do like Big Brother and it's going to be one big fuck tent and anything that, anything goes, anything goes goes in there except for you know like russia will be competing under a different name of course because that's just how we operate in the olympics at this point um but like everybody can fuck anybody can do like they can suck they can fuck they can like play around with each other they can do whatever they want to do and it's no limits no bars no like constraints unless you want constraints <laughs> but you can just you can do whatever you want and we're gonna film it and we're gonna release it i got channel 10 involved uh, carl stefanovic i've been carl stefanovic i got channel 10 involved and i got carl stefanovic I pitched it to everybody and Carl was like, I'll do anything for a dollar. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine, Carl. I mean, I haven't even pitched you the full idea, but the fact that you're in is great because that's like a really into the industry. So we're going to have this puck party tent and that's going to be the Olympics this year. And we're going to have, they're going to lift weights and they're going to ride their bikes and whatever other shit they're into, you know, because like the hobbies are good. The hobbies are good. And it's good television too. You know, like they invite their, their date, they invite their date or whatever out there onto the rink and they're showing off and like, this is my hobby. Let me train you and guide your hand through the lover's embrace. That is, uh, you know, you know, skeet. Is it called skeet when you shoot the things? Is it called skeet when you shoot the things? Skeet shooting. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. When are you going to do that? When are you going to do the fucking shooting? And you guide the hand and you hold them from by like the waist and you're holding the rifle and you pull the trigger together and you accidentally hit a passing bird and as the bird falls down to the ground you realize that it's a neighbor's parrot and they come to the door the next day asking about it and you have to lie you and your partner have to lie about it and the lie is actually really hot and draws you closer together as partners because now it's no longer like you're just trying to make each other like you for the fake personality that you put on to the other person now you're actually intertwined in this lie and this reality and this uh, the reason of being is that you are this person that is sickly and gross. You are human. You are flawed and you killed somebody's pet bird. And then after the years pass, you start to become a little bit contemplative that maybe the thing that drew you to each other was something that was discussed. And that as the disgust leaves you, as you have like kids and you start moving into the suburbs and living a normal life, that passion begins to dwindle. And one night while driving home, you look at somebody on the side of the road that needs a hitchhiking help. And you realize that you can maybe get the excitement back together. So you veer off the road straight into them. At first, your partner is mortified, but then immediately that rush is back. You argue outside in the cold darkness of night, illuminated only by the light from your car, motor vehicle. And as you argue, they then pull you in close and you begin to make out over the dead corpse. 
you tri- put them up inside your boot and drive further out into the darkness. And once you get fur- far enough out, you start to dig down into the disgusting ground with your filthy fingers bleeding from below the nails. You place the body down in there and you sweep it over with a light brush because you know that you could deep- dig deeper and bury them further down into the ground, but then it wouldn't be as exciting. The chance of them being found would then be gone. You head home, and immediately you see on the news that this person was a high-ranking government official who had their car break down in the middle of nowhere, and now this secret you were sharing with this other person is national news. A man... A- nationwide manhunt begins and thankfully your partner works in local communities and they can start to steer people away from the location to search of which you originally buried their close friend says they got a hunch about where the person has gone and they start heading out into those locations and you are then put into a position where you have to either kill that friend and continue the lie or rope the friend into it or allow them to see what's happened and then serve a prison sentence your partner says that they're unable to do it because it's too much work. The the friend finds out and they start blackmailing you, saying that they're going to have to go to the go to the press. You organize a meetup inside a car park, uh, you know, like a a fucking like multi-story car park in the dead of night. Again, illuminated by just the lights of your car. You arrange a meetup to discuss the incident and perhaps give them over five million dollars, which you can in no way bring together. You stand there, and as you're standing there, you have a discussion with them, and your and your partner, who originally was against the idea of doing anything more malicious, then realizes that there's no way out of this. There's just going to be more money. More people are going to find out. Nothing's ever going to stop unless something ends. So they get into the car, and they run over their own best friend in the dead of night. End of season one. End of season one. There's my pitch. Very exciting, very exciting stuff. And I think people would like to see how it unfolds. I think it's deserving of a multi-season arc. I'd watch it. I'd watch it for at least 50 minutes an episode. Yeah, I would. I would. And it's going to have some crazy long intro sequence where it's like a picture of a map. And it's just like... And then it'll go for like two minutes and it'll just say names. And it'll be so uninteresting as an intro sequence. Because the days of fun intro sequences are dead and behind us. That's it. That's my last policy. All of my 10 policies are now there for you. They're out on the table. You've heard them. I am done. They're all there. And that's why you should vote for me. Alexander Krause is going to be on the ballot. You're going to put my name in there. You're going to tick me. You're going to put me as number one. First preference. Yes. Hello. Yes. Maybe. Um, maybe this is going to be my campaign running for the next few weeks. I've got to get some other things done for this, uh, this policy. I know the last like few weeks I did the whole thing of like constructing the movie and that was fun having an overarching storyline. I think this is the next one. I think it is. I think over the next few weeks I'm going to be building up my campaign. I got my policies put in place. There's some other things I need to do to get my campaign like really flourishing. So look forward to that. Um, like, favorite, subscribe. Do all the things you do from the end of another show. But for this one, this week you're going to share this with uh, the current uh, prime minister. You're going to share this with our uh, incumbent. Is that the word? Incumbent prime minister? I don't know. Uh, you're going to share this with Scott Morrison. You're going to share it with this, this with him and say, look, there's a guy out there that's coming for your fuck- fucking throat. And I know that you have no, like, I know that you're a piece of shit, Scott Morrison. I know you're a piece of shit. When we're discussing, when we're discussing our political campaigns, there has to be at least a small amount of uh, credibility, a small amount of humbleness, of like regard and 
you know, like at least some polite discussion before the attack ads come out. So I just want you to hear this just to know that um, I'm serious. This is really happening and you're going to be buried six feet under. You're going to be buried in the in the dirt and everybody's going to find you and everybody's going to be actually really happy with that because you're a piece of shit and fuck all of your shit. Um, that's the end of the episode. Vote for me. Love you. Kiss you. Need you. Love you. Want you. Um, bleed for you. I miss you. Please come back to me. I, I just, I, I can't do, I can't do this show without you. And vote for me and play the song. Um, hi, can I get a big tall boy? <laughs>